My name's Albert. I'm a compulsive overeater. Carol, thank you for asking me to lead. And um, I'm a little nervous and really, really grateful to this program. This program saved my life. Um, I came into these rooms a little over four years ago. I have three years and ten months of abstinence. Um, When I came in, I was probably around 310, 320 pounds, but that was only after uh, a a long diet that that I I knocked off a little bit of weight before I came in. And and I'll I'll start at the beginning so you all have a better idea of of my story and and how this disease manifested in my life. I've always been a compulsive overeater. As a little kid, I used food to to numb the pain of loneliness. I was um, that kid that didn't have any friends in school. I was kind of a loner all the time. Um, I was sort of the kid that always got picked on. Uh, I had three brothers uh, and parents who could probably have used this this program and other programs in their life. I grew up very lonely and a story that I always tell is I remember um, I used to sit on my front porch and wait for my parents to come home and um, it would get dark and as the cars came down the street I was able to recognize after a long time of doing this the shape of the headlights of the car. I could make out the make and the model of the year of the car based on the headlights. Uh, And I would just stand there and I'd name the cars as as they'd come up the street. And when I'd see my parents' car come up, my mom or my dad, usually my mom, my dad was always home much later than her, uh, I'd run into the house and be good and hope that she would notice me when she came into the house. When they didn't come home early, I used food to numb the pain. Uh, I remember one time I I baked a cake and I wanted my mom to be happy that I baked the cake for the family. But uh, there the cake sat and nobody was home. So I started to eat the cake and I got more than halfway through and realized I had to hide all of the evidence. So I hid what was left of the cake uh, underneath my bed and when my mom came home she kind of she knew the house was hot the stove had been on and when she began questioning me uh, I took her to the to the cake pan where um, she sort of just shamed me for what I had done and it was always like that Um, I was constantly using food to escape Um, and I wish I had a lot of memories as a kid before coming into this program but most of it is a blank most of it is just one long blank Um, by the time I got into high school I uh, I decided to join the swim team the water polo team Um, it was summer and I thought how much fun it would be to be in the pool all day 
and it wasn't fun, but it was a way for me to maintain um, my my diet and exercise. And um, I was a, a high school All-American in water polo and went on um, after that to um, to the Marines. And when I signed up for the military, uh, part of the reason why I signed up was I thought it would help to control my eating habits. Because when swimming and polo ended, uh, I started putting on weight kind of fast. And I thought that was one way to, to gain some discipline. Um, so, God, fast, uh, there's, there's so much... We'll get into the crazy because we don't have that much time. <laughs> so, my binging days, um, my binging days, I binged until it hurt. And, and that was pretty much my motive. And then I restricted till it hurt. And I used to exercise for hours uh, in, in high school and college. I was in the, in the water about six hours a day. Um, and I exercised like a madman yet. I binged like crazy also. It, when, I, when I was in sports, I could maintain uh, my binging at a very high degree. When sports ended, the weight came on really fast. So uh, my weight fluctuated uh, about 100 pounds, between 50 to 100 pounds. I've lost 100 pounds a couple of times in my life um, in crazy ways, very fast, crazy ways, um, but only to gain it back. Um, and as a swimmer and water polo player, um, no matter how lean my body was, I hated it. So I debated, and I always debate on whether or not I want to show pictures of me at my highest weight, because the crazy for me happened at my lowest weight as well. So it didn't matter what body I was in, I hated myself when I looked in the mirror. Um, I hated the person that I saw in the mirror. And that's not the case today. So, moving forward, um, I used to binge until it hurt, till it literally numbed the pain in my head. And the pain in my head, most of the time, was brought on from severe loneliness. Um, I lived as a shut-in for a very long time. Like a real shut-in, I had no work, no nothing to go to. I had blankets over the windows in my home and towels over the mirrors in my house. And I slept all day and I binged all night. And the only people that I knew were the 7-Eleven guy, the donut guy, the, the ladies at this place I call the Mexican hole in the wall. Like it was my favorite place because I can go there and they knew what I wanted. I didn't have to order. I, they'd see my car come in the driveway and they'd hand the food to me and I didn't have to say a word and I went weeks without saying a word to anybody the longest I had gone without speaking was about three weeks and it was a competition with myself I just wanted to see how long I could go without talking and I went about three months without having to interact with any family or friends and this happened for years in my isolation and um, and I ended up pushing away everybody in my life pretty much um, I had thoughts of suicide uh, for years. At around age 20, 21, a friend of mine in the Marines asked me to hold a gun for him. His wife didn't want it in the house. Um, so I kept it in my house. 
And in my depression, I'd hold the pistol underneath my chin and I'd pull the trigger and pray to God to give me the courage to load the gun. And the day that I, that he would, I thought I would just pull the trigger the way I did a hundred times before. Um, one day I, I loaded the gun and I wanted to end my life and I had $17 in my pocket and I thought I was just going to go out and have a binge. I needed to get out of the house and binge. And I prayed to God to help me and to, to get me through the night and a prostitute appeared on the corner and I stopped and I pulled over and I asked her to hold me for $17 and she did and that got me through the night but the thoughts of suicide carried and um, I really wanted to know why I was so messed up so in college I switched my major from English to psychology (laughs) (laughs) then I earned a doctorate in psychology And then, and then I was in real trouble because at that time I, I thought I knew it all and nothing, uh, nothing helped and nothing worked. And um, I kept spiraling down. And for years I kept praying to God, send me somebody to love, send me a career that will give me some purpose in my life. And nothing came. And I kept praying for the courage to take my own life. So um, the day came when God blessed me with the courage to take my own life. And I had this plan. I had it all planned out. And the day that I decided that I was going to end my suffering um, was literally the happiest day of my life because I knew that the pain was going to be over and I said my goodbyes to my family and I went to Arizona to be with my best friend for the last time and uh, on Monday morning I would head to Las Vegas and take my life and on Saturday night I'm sitting on the couch and it's late my friends kids are asleep everybody's asleep and my phone rings and I get up because I don't want the ringer to wake anybody up and I pick up the phone and my brother says I just asked Adrian to marry me will you be my best man and I I said that I would and I cried all night because I could I couldn't go through with with my plans so I got home and I thought I can do it I thought I can do it I I went through this period where I thought this is it I'm not going to to kill myself and um, I picked up this journal that I had been saving I like I like the journal and on February 14th 2008 I wrote this entry today's the day I promise to let myself feel love without fear. Today I'll make the necessary steps to live a more fuller and successful life. I'll celebrate my achievements and love those who support my growth. I'll honor my parents and brothers by living up to my potential.
I'll give back to those who have given to me. I'll love unconditionally. I'll pursue success for the pleasure of helping others and to show my appreciation to those that help me. I'll not pursue material wealth, rather honor my value by giving to others. Today I'll start a goal to change significant areas of my life that include my physical and mental health, my career, have loving relationships, to actively seek mentors, help and advice to maintain my momentum. When I work toward my goals, I am showing love for myself and my family. When I reach my goals, I'll enjoy my success and celebrate. Today I acknowledge that I have denied myself love by sabotaging my success today on Valentine's Day. I am pledging my love to myself. By doing this, I'll be better able to love my friends and family and the wife and children I hope to have. I end this letter by saying goodbye to the part inside of me that has made me unhappy for so many years. I'm not afraid. I'll love and be loved and have no regret. Love, Albert. Um, February 17th, not a good day. I broke the diet, but it's Sunday and I'll start and I'll allow a day off. It's like two days <laughs> Two days in. The 19th, I'm recognizing myself sabotaging resistance, uh, resistance to making progress toward my goals. Um, the 22nd, I let myself down. There's no excuse. My stomach hurts. I ate so much. And it goes on and on until I stop writing in it. Um, not long after this, I found a therapist a couple of months. And in my last diet, I kept coming into her office saying, look how great I look, look how great I look, because I was doing some crazy thing where I was only eating 500 calories a day. And she'd say, Albert, you look like shit. You look sick. You look sick. She's like, go to Overeaters Anonymous. I'm like, no, I don't need it. I don't need it. This is going to work. And uh, at the end, I dropped like, uh, I think, 30 pounds, 30 or 40 pounds. I had gone from the, the scale said 320. This is after one diet, after one diet, I went on this diet and the scale said 320. And when I saw the scale, I'm like, no, this scale's broken. So I finished breaking it by throwing it and like breaking it in, in it was my mom's scale. And um, I went to the store and bought another scale and it said the same thing. And I'm like, this is not right. A friend of mine who supervised this, this crazy diet, um, brought his scale it said the same three the same thing right around 320 pounds uh i went on that crazy diet and i dropped down to about 280 pounds and two weeks after finishing that diet i was back up to 310 pounds and i told my therapist okay i'll i'll try overeaters anonymous and um and I didn't mean it when I said it. She says, call me when you leave the meeting. And I'm like, ah, damn it, now I have to go. So I sat across the street on a, on a Tuesday night and I came in and the, I just thought it was the most beautiful woman saying everything that I couldn't say. And, um, and I felt like I was home. 
and there's like a couple of people who help make me feel really welcome and and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them so I got a sponsor not long after I stopped binging um, I like to say that I didn't kill myself for my brother and I came to Overeaters Anonymous for my therapist and I got abstinent for my first sponsor on October 25th when my brother got married is the day that I started counting my abstinence because that was the day that I decided I was going to do this program for me so my life is drastically different today and it doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like and I didn't get any of the things that I thought I'd get that would fix me um, but I've never in my life felt so loved and so happy for everything that God has blessed me with so um, so in five minutes let me talk about the program <laughs> So, I am through. I'm, I'm working on my step seven, or it's working me because I have character defects that are just, they have their claws in me. Um, and I wish it was something that I could just turn over and let go of everything that was wrong with me. But every day I, I pray to God to help remove those things. Uh, I am completely and totally powerless. Um, as an example, some of you uh, might see me from time to time. If I didn't lose it, I carry a coin with me that has an angel on one side and the other side says he will command his angels to guard you in all your ways. And when I'm struggling, I just flip the coin and whatever it says, I do. Um, the angel means pray. The other side means don't worry. God's angels are protecting me in whatever I do so I can get into action. And the cool thing about it is, is that it's just a reminder. It's, it's the same thing. Prayer and action for me has always been the same thing. Um, the cool thing is, is that when I, when I hold on to the coin and I leave my house with a coin, it's just a reminder that I have God with me all the time. Um, I didn't have a relationship with God before the program. Although that I, I know that God's always been there. God has always been there in absolutely everything. And, and I think that's the blessing that, that God, was, God was the courage to take my life. God was a prostitute. God was a binge. God was whatever it took to get through the night. And because I'm able to see God today and because God is everything... I choose only to see the parts of God that better my life and make me feel happier. So, I think I can complain a lot about the things that didn't manifest in my life and the things that I hoped I'd have today. I'm 38 years old and, and I wish I was married with kids. I wish I didn't screw around with a career that probably could have made me financially abundant today. Um, 
but I, I just don't have any doubts that my life is getting better because of this program and because of the higher power that I have. Um, I've been blessed in my time in program that when I get to be of service to other people, um, I get to see God in my fellows. And I think that that is the blessing of the, this program, that somebody like me who has worked so hard his whole life to keep everybody away so I didn't have to feel anything, um, can see God in my fellows. And I don't know how to do relationships because food was everything to me. Food was everything to me. Um, so I struggle with how I connect with people and I wish I wish it was different but it's it's okay because I can accept where my life is today and for today take responsibility and know that the people that I loved and pushed away are still people that I love I just don't know how to love them and I'm learning one day at a time. In my last couple of minutes, um, I'm hoping you ask me questions about how I actually work the program. <laughs> but in, in my last couple of minutes, before we get into questions, I just wanna wanna um, say that uh, if you've come in after me, and I, I say this a lot, if you come in after me, then I hope that something that I said um, makes you feel like you're not alone. And for everybody else that's come in before me, I just want to thank you for the life that you've given me because by sharing your vulnerability and by sharing yourselves with me, you made me not feel alone. And I just owe everything to this program and I'm just very grateful to be here. Thank you. This is the time for questions. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not, of, not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. One day at a time, I, I do not negotiate with food. If I have a small first meal, that doesn't mean that lunch gets to be bigger. One meal at a time means one meal at a time. My abstinence has evolved. It was when I first got abstinent, when I thought my abstinence was no binging. And my, my sponsor said, well, how do you define a binge? And I said, uh, I don't know, I just know. And he says, okay, you're not abstinent. And I'm like, all right. He said, you're going to eat three meals a day, and that's it. I'm like, uh, the nutritionists say you're supposed to eat five or six times a day. And he's like, now how that, how's that working for you? And um, so I said, okay, three meals a day. So I had three big meals a day and made a lot of calls in between. As my meals, my meals got smaller, and I added a snack. And then my meals got smaller, and I added two snacks. Um, 
So my abstinence is three meals a day, two optional snacks, and a meal is is clearly defined and that's long. And I don't have any fast food. Um, and fast food is defined because there's like a lot of, I, I know I have all these crazy loopholes around my, my abstinence. So between me and my sponsor, we've defined clearly what my abstinence is. I check in with my sponsor now probably three or four times a week and when I was new to program um, service saved my life I think at one, at one point I was like secretary for like four meetings and like angry about it because nobody would take a commitment at this one meeting and I'm like are you kidding me but it saved my life and by being I never leave a meeting feeling unhappy so because I've been able to do a lot of service at a lot of meetings, it, it literally saved my life. So, so I work with my sponsor. I have sponsees, and I'm not the greatest sponsor, but if you want somebody who doesn't like call you and like bother you, then I'm pretty good. <laughs> but uh, it usually it, it works out though. Um, and then I have an, an action plan. That I, I, I work a daily routine because my food, loneliness, and hunger are the exact same thing underneath all of the hunger. So I can eat and then feel hungry an hour later, and I know it's loneliness. So I have a schedule around how I eat. And I usually wake up in the morning and I go to the gym and I spend, when I was new to program, I tried to work out for every two hours I spent in a meeting, I'd spend one hour in the gym. But even that was really, really difficult. Um, today I spend, I, I work out in the gym about six days a week for no more than an hour and it's very loving and and I it took me three years to change the gym from a very abusive place where I hated myself to a place where I really love myself and it started with just it literally started with playing love songs during my workout and all of the love songs were about how I love my body and they were they were how I love God or how God loves me but it was never Sometimes it was like, oh, I love this girl and I hope I can get thin enough so she likes me. But it's not usually like that anymore. But that's how I work my program. Because I was always in the food, I never wanted closeness with anybody. I just wanted to eat. And... Even playing team sports, I was a team captain and I was an All-American and, and All-State in college and, and, um, and I, didn't have, like, I didn't have a connection with anybody. I was incapable of having relationships with people, um, completely and totally incapable of it. And um, when the food was gone, you know, it's... I can, I can hang out with a fellow all day and never feel hungry because I feel accepted and loved. And it's, all, it's this weird thing that if I'm with a fellow, um, 
I just don't need to eat and it's something that I have that this is why I need to maintain my schedule because the the hunger the hunger has always been always been a desire for love and connection and now that I know that I need love and connection I'm working really hard on on fostering that I keep myself so busy I don't have time for depression and I literally I just I'm at two to three meetings a day if I have to. I do I won't sit at home and sit in front of the TV and let it start to sink in. So my my negative thinking my negative thinking has a, has literally has a mind of its own. It will run all day every day if I am not actively fighting the negative thoughts that are attacking me constantly. And I I have this thing where I call it I call my negative thoughts the usual suspects and the usual suspects are uh you're too ugly, you're not lovable, you're not experienced enough, you're not smart enough, uh you're not good enough. Um all those are the the most common and around my bed I'd write out the negative thought on a piece of paper and underneath the negative thought I'd write why that is not true. And if it is true why is it not permanent and why is it not changing me or or why I can change it. Or if I can't change it, why God is going to protect me through it anyways. So when the negative thoughts come up throughout the day, I just have a response to to it. So I when it comes to my feelings, the self-abusive thoughts, um I I work really hard to to address them. Acceptance of God's will for me and just acceptance of what's happening when when I was a little kid when I I don't remember I think it was my grandfather was was dying and I would pray so hard that God please don't take please don't take him like take me as a little kid and um and I'd stand behind the bedroom door so that my mom wouldn't walk in on me and I'd kneel right next to the to the door and and pray and um and I always felt like I had these deals with God. God, if you don't take my grandpa then I'll be um and and he died anyways. And so did my grandma and so did my aunt and so did my other grandma and I felt like God was there. He just wasn't listening to any of my prayers. And I think because I've experienced the miracle of this program that that I know God's there and I know that God's always been there and I'm learning to accept life as God wants me to experience it. And um a couple days ago I was really angry at God, really angry. And after I vented a lot of my anger, it passes. It it passes. Um God closes one door and opens up another one and I'm learning to have gratitude for the the open doors. So as much as it makes me angry to to think about the things that I thought were working out, um I've come to accept that this is my life and and to just be breathing today is is a blessing.
when I stopped going to the places that were my binge places, I went to one where I knew everybody that worked there, at least in the drive-thru. Like, I knew these people. I'd have conversations with them. I ordered, like, all of this food, and instead of, like, getting the food when I got up to the window, I just kept driving. So I couldn't go back there. I could not go back there. And... Uh, <laughs> So, and not that I did it intentionally, but I really, I think the suffering was so bad. The suffering was so bad. In my binging, I, I binged on several nights that I, that I binged. I'd stuffed myself so much that um, in my sleep, I, I rolled over a certain way and, and I, I woke up in my vomit a few times. But, you know, most of the time I'd catch myself and make it to the bathroom to vomit. But I, I binged so badly that, I, and, you know, even the binging wasn't enough because when the binging didn't hurt, didn't hurt so much that it'd take the pain away in my head, then I'd cut myself. And when the cutting didn't do it, then I would take a handful of pills and, and some liquor and just sleep. So the binging was so severe, so severe, that I think once I got into the program, I was ready to stop. I don't see it. I don't see it. Like when, when people will comment on my body, I don't know what they see. Um, and on some days, I feel great about what I see in the mirror. And other days, um, I don't. I feel, I feel really unattractive. And I think in my mind, I thought losing the weight was going to fix it all. That if I lost weight, then somebody would love me. And if I lost weight, then I'd get a job. And, and losing weight just means I'm thinner and I still don't know what to do with girls and I still don't know how to network. So there's a lot of awkwardness around, there's a lot of awkwardness when, like my whole life I've kind of been, I've, I've been the girl's fat friend is what I say and I'll talk about this to the other guys where, like when we're the fat friends, we're like we're we're just never seen as somebody who's who's worthy of an intimate relationship so when the proof is nobody loves me so i must be so unattractive i'm not lovable if i look into the mirror with that with that thinking then i don't like what i see but I always love the man that I see when I'm talking to a fellow. I always, always love the man that I see when I talk to a fellow. So I try really hard to just see myself the way my fellows see me and try not to worry about whether that's too big or too small. So, but it's tough. It's really tough still. I'm at meetings all the time. I do a lot of service. I make outreach calls constantly. My, the only people in my life today that really matter are my fellows. So I'm always 
I'm always connected to program. So, and then uh, by being a sponsor and sponsoring, um, I'm just always connected to program. So, so the tools of the program are really, and there's a, um, when I was younger and naive in pro, or earlier in program when I was like really naive and, and I was on a pink cloud, I said to someone, well, that's where the tools are. The tools are, you know, on the pink cloud. And that's, that was kind of my philosophy. And um, the tools have helped me to maintain like a connection to God and connection to this program that make me happy when I'm working it. Almost every morning, I wake up, I pray and I meditate, I have a protein drink, I go to the gym for no more than one hour, um, I make calls, usually check in with my sponsors right after the gym. When I get home, I either have my first meal of the day or I'll have my second snack of the day. And then um, I go off to work and I'm, I, I'm of service in my work. When I don't have work for the day, then I plan my day around meetings. Um, the nights are still the toughest time of the day for me. Um, I wish I could say I go and hang out with a fellow every night or I go to the movies and, and I still go home and I kind of white knuckle my third meal of the day because I'll push my third meal of the day back as late as I can because that gets me through the night. Uh, because I will wake up in the middle of the night and if I have to eat, I'm in trouble because I will be up for the rest of the night if I have to eat. So, yeah, I try to keep it around that structured routine and it's when, when I really look at it, it's a very small part of the day that I commit that to God. And I, even my, even the part of the gym that I really hate, I hate doing cardio stuff. I'll think of on the gym, on the treadmill, I will, 21 minutes is seven shares. I can pray for seven people in that 21 minutes. I can pray for seven people. And there's every, you know, every part of my day is really this program and, and, um, yeah. In my mind, I could isolate, and I go back to how great it was when I was able to isolate for days at a time. <clears throat> I cannot isolate the way that I used to. While, like, my mind says, yes, we can do this, and my body says, yes, we can do this, and I'm lying on the couch, and I'm like, oh, there's like a marathon of something like really some stupid reality show, and I'm like... I can do this all day. Like, I can sit in front of the TV and watch this stuff. I can't. Because I'll get into it, and I'll lie on the couch, and I'll start my shows, and I can't. I can't do it. Um, so I, I feel blessed today that the discomfort is really God saying, get out and live your life. <clears throat> so when I want to... When I want to isolate, I can go through I can go through a long list of programs that, program meetings that I can get to, and because of the the rigorous honesty in these rooms, I've I've made it to three other programs, and this is where I come when I when I need to feel loved.
Um, and sometimes I have to push myself um, to go to the other rooms because in some of the other rooms, it's forcing me to learn to love other people because the, the other people test my patience. Where I have <laughs> unconditional love in these rooms, it's not the same in some of the, some, sometimes I, you know, I get around town and I just get like, but I love the people in here. So when I need to be loved unconditionally and love unconditionally, I, I get to an OA meeting. Thank you for...